Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. I hope you're doing well wherever you're listening. Now before we dive into today's podcast, a quick update on some of the work we've been doing for our community. Firstly, our brand new course, Foundations of Session Design, is now live and has been exceptionally well received. This course is an in-depth course designed to be done online at your own pace and it covers five key areas of session design and all the considerations that go with it. I'm joined by my good friend and top academy coach Dan Wright for the modules, as well as a number of top guests from around the world of academy football. You'll also see a series of live practices to demonstrate the practice spectrum, and you'll get access to a collection of PDF downloads and more. Find out more at playerdevelopmentproject.com now if you're interested in signing up. On top of the course launch, we've also produced a number of Q&A videos and guides online. You can access these on the homepage now, and we cover topics from football conditioning to 1v1s and even a new discussion on coaching set-piece with youth players. In today's podcast, I sit down for a Q&A discussion with PDP coaching advisor James Coots to discuss some of the core skills that are critical for young players to develop, how we support them in doing it, and some practical ideas for you to implement. You can check out more content like this at playerdevelopmentproject.com. Sign up for a monthly or annual membership, which will give you access to thousands of resources to help you with your coaching and connect you to our online Slack community to ask questions and share ideas. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Hi, everyone. My name is Dave Wright and welcome once again to another Player Development Project Q&A. Delighted to be joined by PDP coaching advisor, James Coots. Cootsie, how are you getting on, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good week on the grass. What about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Still life in lockdown over here in Auckland, New oh, Zealand. Okay. So uh, whenever we publish this, hopefully we're out of lockdown, but it's been Fingers a long 15 weeks. Yeah. So uh, all, all good aside from those things. We've got a great question to discuss today. And you know, in prepping for this, we acknowledge that there's any number of different rabbit holes that could sort of be ventured down with this question. But the short end of it is, what are the core skills that we should teach young players? So fantastic question. We certainly can't sit here and say we've got the answer, but we're no. going to throw some ideas out there. So, Kuti, how do you want to frame this one up? Um, I think, well, there's obviously core skills that are taught in different places, so maybe we touch on those to start with. Um, I think I think one thing as well is, is key to get across there. With the core skills, and when we go through and look at them, how they're kind of, I guess, the terminology in different places and country, it's the idea is obviously that we're working with the ball because we need the ball to score goals. However, we certainly understand that where there's something with the ball, there's obviously work to be done off the ball. Um, I think that is sometimes from my experience over in Australia can sometimes get lost that we're doing the Australian terminology to dive in is um, uh, 1v1s running with the ball, striking the ball in first touch. So, as coaches, if you're only working on those four core skills every session without an idea or looking on the flip side as well, um, you might, I guess, go down a danger of not working off the ball, which if you're not working off the ball, then you might spend more time there than you, you do with it. So I think that's important, but yeah. Um, and the ones you had back um, back in England, what were those ones? Yeah, again? look, I, I was very lucky to work at Fulham for a time and, oh, and they used the term receiving, releasing, retaining <clears throat> and running with the ball. So retaining is interesting because that's more your 1v1 or at least wriggling out of tight spaces or being able to keep the ball individually. So I think that's a really important one. Receiving, releasing could be passing or striking or shooting, however you frame that up. <clears throat> 
running with the ball, um, more running at speed as opposed to dribbling um, through tight spaces. So again, a lot of different language can be used depending on where you work, but those four R's are very much stuck with me in terms of helping players build a technical base. Um, yep. But I think there's more to this. And I also think it's important to acknowledge that these don't just happen in isolation. So if I release the ball, you're going to receive the ball and therefore we're not just yep. working on releasing and kicking yep. balls and chasing them again. There's always going to be either... Uh, I guess, uh, another player involved, or there could be opposition involved. So the context of whatever the scenario is out on the park is going to, I guess, A, dictate what solution the player chooses. So if I have space in front of me, I'm going to run. If I am under pressure, maybe I have to dribble or pass. So again, we've got to think about this concept of representative task design. And if we're going to support players uh, developing these attributes, let's say, as opposed yep. to just skills, then we need to put them into environments and practices where they're exposed or where they're challenged or where perhaps sometimes we dial back the challenge based on what they need. So a bit of a mouthful and a bit of, bit of a ramble there from me to start off. But let's, let's sort of you know acknowledge that we've, we've mentioned the out-of-possession stuff, but we will tackle this from more of an in-possession yeah. or on-the-ball perspective. If we're talking about technical toolboxes, we're probably thinking about what age and stage this is really happening. And for me, it's early on in the piece, that six to 12 age group when they first get involved in organized football or even just play with their mates. What are, you, what are your thoughts around, I guess, the importance in terms of the, the player diet at this age? Um, yeah, I, I think with the ball as much as possible, ball manipulations, it's, I'm such a huge advocate of small-sided games and keeping them younger, playing those small-sided games so there's so many more rep, uh, repetition of touches on the board and small side of games quicker decision making all those types of things i think are a huge but i think early on in the piece it's um certainly in my perspective when you're very young five six seven it's how much hidden learning can be involved whilst they've still got the ball at their feet constantly so at that age they want to have fun they want to play fun games of course they don't want to be coached whether we think they do they don't really want too much coaching at that age so for me there's a lot of hidden learning in there, but they're still playing little fun games, but you're doing it both sides of the feet. You're doing it inside, outside, whatever it might be. Um, and having early on, I would say certainly in that six to 12, a bit younger sometimes with teams, but really dedicate a period of time. Normally before the sessions, I, I must admit, we do it at the beginning of sessions where ball mastery, individual groups of two maybe doing certain things. And that'd be, I guess, the receiving releasing or the first touch um depending on yeah depending on your terminology but yeah i would have massive value on touches of the ball both feet at a younger age yeah love it i, I agree and i remember doing sessions in the uk where for the first 15 minutes it may just be player led it may be focused on non-dominant uh work so if you know if you're right-footed your weaker foot might be left and non-dominance a nicer term than weaker foot i think at times which we can all yeah. get caught up with but it may just be every player's got a ball, they're up against the wall or they're working in pairs. And also the opportunity for players to create stuff. So if a player, let's say, was working on his receiving skills, well, can he pair up with somebody who's working on releasing skills? And then, you know, somebody's working on fizzing their passing while the other one's dealing with it. And they're both working on their objective. Uh, giving the players that space and that time to either be in those ball mastery situations uh, it could be interference-based ball mastery where there's lots of traffic or even ball mastery plus a small passing element. Lots of ways to get that uh, volume of time that you're talking about on the ball yeah. where they just sort of, you know, love being on the ball and, and they, they get to try and test new things. And I think that's the really important part here is, uh, is 
creating the space for them to try stuff. And, yeah. and you know, I've done ball mastery sessions where you might say, right, you know, show us your best trick. And then everybody has to do that trick and yeah. the next player steps up. And it doesn't matter whether one's really good and one's a bit simpler. They're showing something that they feel confident doing and then their teammates are challenged to, doing it, to do it. So I think that's a good start point. If we sort of build the conversation from there, we've acknowledged these kind of technical attributes. So again, whichever language you use, you know, dealing with a football, I remember talking to scouts. Um, what, are, what is the first thing that some of the best scouts look for? How do they receive a football? How do, mm -hmm. they, how do they actually deal with the football under pressure? Mm -hmm. um, so that receiving piece for me is really important as a critical skill. Any, any sort of additional thoughts around that one? Um, yeah, in terms of receiving, I think, yeah, first touch. And, and it's something that as older they get, but even as like young kids I'm working with now, six, seven years of age, mm -hmm. the um, the skill to to scan is huge. It's something that we certainly place massive value on because as you say, receive, um, yeah, receiving the ball and first touch. If you really have an understanding of your space, your, I guess, threats, your teammates, where people are in and around you, that will help you, I guess, make hopefully the correct decision of what first touch, first of all, you're going to take. And then it's the execution of that, that decision. So um, with all of them, to be honest, with every kind of core skill here, scanning and spatial awareness is, I'm a huge believer of really pushing that skill prior to the actual skill on the ball, because I think it will give you more, hopefully more time and space to then execute what you're, what you're um, looking to do with the ball. I think as well, one thing is that when, when you're younger, um, everyone wants to get success. So if you've got a dribbler and they're really good with the ball, then you're going to really look at running with the ball and, and kind of promoting that. But you don't want to, I guess, pigeonhole, which I felt growing up, running with the ball was for your wingers, was for your wingers and maybe your fullbacks. Receiving the ball and releasing was for your um, midfielders or whatever it might be. I think that's massively changed. So like centre-backs driving where, where I am in, in my world, and our team is huge and we want centre-backs to drive. If they see spaces, we want them to drive. If midfielders can break lines with the ball, we want them to drive. So it's, I guess, also the players understanding that these core skills are not just fixed. Okay, well, you're really good one-on-one. -on -one. You're really good dribbling with the ball, so you must be a winger. Like, let's put them, I guess, when it starts getting into game scenarios, can we put them in, I guess, different positions or, or can we... As you say, when you're doing the setting up the sessions and framing the sessions, and we might be working on a certain core skill, can we make sure that, and we've all, I guess, done the work, it's like, okay, can we get someone isolated 1v1 and, and get at your player? It's like, no, can you do that in tighter areas? Can you do that kind of constantly? So I think that's something for me, anyway, as I've gone on my coaching journey, is not to pigeonhole certain, I guess, technical attributes to positions or be a little bit more fluid with that. And I guess with younger players coming up through, um, if they're really good dribbling with the ball, we want to obviously promote that and promote um, their super strengths, or as we call it. But however, still look at the the other core skills as well. Yeah, look, I think that's a fantastic point around tying the skills or the attributes to positions. And you can also use positions. I know we've spoken in previous Q&As around how you can use positions. So if you do have a player that needs to work on receiving the ball under pressure, well, maybe central midfield for a couple of weeks is the role for that player, even mm -hmm. if they normally play out wide. If you've got a player who perhaps you want to give more time and space to work on forward passing or longer range of pass, 
maybe we pop them at right fullback where perhaps they may be under a little less pressure than they would be if they're playing in the middle of the park. So they've got time for that repetition in the game of working on that attribute or, or even if it's a weakness that they're trying to scrub up. Yeah. Conversely, you could also flip players and vert wingers and so on to say, hey, I want you to try and go on the outside with your non-dominant foot today if you can. If you can do that half a dozen times, that is success for you at training or in the game. So again, looking at ways that you can use the game um, yep. to enhance uh, either attributes or continue to build on those work-ons is really key. Your point around scanning and spatial awareness, absolutely critical. And I think we've got to reflect as coaches as to how we do that, particularly with young players. It's really easy, I think, for coaches to get caught up on things they might see at the highest level or caught up in things they see online and go, oh, well, I'm going to implement that practice for my players. But if we remove information from the players, then scanning may become less relevant. So let's say we've got a mannequin marking us. We may not need to go and check our shoulders if we know the mannequin is not going to run after us. But if we put them into a game, let's say a 4v4 small-sided game where they have to man mark, well, now we know that we're always going to be under pressure. We're going to have to check our shoulders and we're going to have to get ourselves in positions to receive space. So we're using the game um, to provide opportunities for the players to work on the spatial awareness and yeah. get themselves in good positions and then those attributes we've talked about. So really important to consider your practice design, right? A hundred percent. And something we've spoken about before is that like the footballer's diet that we've spoken about yeah. and what I guess with, with these four core skills, is it where it's like a rondo, a game that high, I guess you've constantly got... Um, opposition and it looks like the game which we're all advocates for and we all want i think it's really important that coaches understand the the age and the stage of the players they're working with and other players getting success i know i'm guilty of it where i love rondos i love them i love doing different kind of ones where if i've got six seven eight year olds doing them and they still really struggle receiving the ball releasing the ball then putting them in that constant state where there's a lot more failure than not could actually be probably more damaging for them so making sure if you're having isolated practices within your program within your sessions does everybody need them how much do they need them is it an extra for other i guess other players when you go home tonight that isolation obviously is what we would would encourage but i think that's really important that like i say it goes back to in my opinion the coaches understanding the players they're working with and what those guys will need to hopefully help them be successful and, and repetition of it ideally where it's looking like the game that's a that's a big one spot on i think that that point you make around um individualizing your approach is, is mm. great advice i remember working at a club in the uk where we had a passing and receiving group and they would come in 20 minutes early before everyone else and just get 15 20 minutes in of simple repetition before the session started and it was a case of stripping it back and reducing the challenge for those players who knew it uh, who needed it sorry at the time and, and i guess we knew what support they needed and it was just extra 20 minutes a couple of coaches walking around supporting them asking them for a little bit of detail or care on their past and trying to build that confidence over the course of an entire season or season after season um, so understanding what those individuals need based on either strengths or weaknesses or work on mm. time is really critical. There's, there's a lot to consider here. I know we've outlined, I guess, a number of um, the key attributes on the ball. Just want to dive into 1v1s a little bit more because I think, yep. you know, we've talked in the past to the likes of Chris Vanderhagen, the Belgian FA yep. obviously get thrown up as this 
beautiful case study for change in football with the 1v1s, 2v2s and small-sided games. So we think about that, there's two sides to the 1v1, the attack or the defence, and you spoke about that at the start. So in terms of ensuring that players get repetition of those, uh, A, I think we both agree that it's really important, but B, what for you are some of those key outcomes that if we really include those in our programs, how is that going to help with these different skills that we're talking about? Oh, good question. Big question. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Um, I think it's as well, what the one b ones understanding what success is with each individual. So when I know we've done videos on one b ones and I loved it because previously I hadn't looked at Xavi or Busquets being 1v1 players, when in reality, they are unbelievable 1v1 players. Paul Scott, unbelievable. So that has certainly changed the way I look at success in a 1v1, I guess, scenario. So creating games, and this is, again, going back to the individual approach, I'm a huge one for little games, giving players the targets and little individual kind of targets. So if there's a 1v1 focus on that night, 1v1 isn't always, can I go and beat the man with a a little bit of skill and get the ball the other side of the man. That isn't always it. It might be, can you drag a player out of a position for yourself or a teammate to get into that position? So some individual tasks and focuses within the sessions, if you if you kind of do that within your program, I think are really powerful. Um, so you're doing a session on 1v1s. However, the success is different from me to you in terms of that. So I think that's something that I've used recently that I've found to be really powerful. Um, with the players there's lots of little games you can do with 1v1s that players love if it's me against you and I can only take you on or whatever it might be like little games within the game every time you beat someone 1v1 you get got whatever it might be you can be so creative within this I think what about yourself yeah look for me I think just changing the angle so ensuring that players get different types of 1v1 so I love your point around what does success look like for every individual in a 1v1 mm. um, but I think also just making sure that at times it's pressure from behind pressure from the yeah. side it could be pressure side to side in a duel um, however you want to do it making sure that you do get that variety and keep it competitive you know whether this whether the scoring mechanism is every time you wriggle out and get past someone or whether it's to create a goal or whether it's a, to score a goal um just defining you know what the what the successful outcome is and then keeping track of it making it competitive can ensure that those 1v1s are really enjoyable and demanding of players you know there's nowhere to hide in those situations right so super interesting one to consider kuti it's been a great conversation as we said at the start there are no um, I guess, fixed or, or black or white answers to this, no. but hopefully we've thrown some ideas out there. Any final thoughts to wrap this one up from your perspective? Um, again, as we were talking, mate, the one thing is not pigeonholing those key characteristics for, I guess, positions and being open with that. It's something my experience when you football is too much players get pigeonholed into positions based on their characteristics or what their strengths might be. Um, the game, I think, has changed. It's evolved. Dribblers are not just out wide anymore. Uh, so I think that's something that, as coaches, we need to consider how, like, can we really build up all of those key strengths as much as we can? However, can we put them in situations, whether it's to stretch them because they need it more or whether it's to protect them and give them more kind of success? Can we give them those situations and games and training to really work on those, on those core skills? Well, once again, Kuti, thanks so much for your time and effort. It's been great to catch up on this one. Always good, mate. Always good. Excellent. And we'll look forward to another Player Development Project Q&A very soon.
Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.